0: And I am so excited about our group semester Uh, today. You can learn all about the groups. I'm going to talk a little bit about it today in the message, and then we'll mention it at the end. Uh, But that QR code is there for you to be able to search through all the different groups. And if you're an introvert and don't like to go greet people in front, need some time to strategically plan, then this is for you. I do want to mention that this coming Thursday night is men's night for all of our guys in the room. Uh, So excited about this. Uh... Thursday, September 14th, the service starts at 7, my good friend, uh, Pastor Brandon Barber is going to be here with us that night, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, many of you have not registered yet because you're men, so uh, do me a favor, take out your phone right now and uh, scan the QR code, we're going to have a shrimp boil and a jambalaya, kind of making it a little bit of a Cajun night uh, for all those guys in the room. And uh, it's going to be a great night. Uh, we'll start serving food at about 6. So if you want to come and hang during that time, uh, there will be some afterwards as well. But we'd love for you to hang. And then the service will start at 7, go about an hour. And then after the service ends, uh, we'll be watching Thursday night football and have all sorts of things going on out of the lobby. We'd love for you to come and connect with other guys. Uh, there will be all sorts of stuff going on. And this is a fun night. It's uh, our biggest night of the year for men. So we'd love for you to come and uh, to hang out with us. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to go to Matthew 7. This is kind of our theme verse for the series that we're doing, Rooted in Practice. It says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, everybody say that with me, come again, say, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into, come on, say it real loud, into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. If you put Jesus' words into practice, the Bible says that you are like a wise man. You're not wise because you built your house on the rock, You're wise because you listened to the words that Jesus said... And you actually heeded them in your everyday life. I want to show you another verse of scripture that I did not read to you last time. But I want to read it this time. This is Philippians 4.9. It says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me. Come on, everybody say it real loud with me today. Put it into practice. There it is again. Completely different scripture. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced to you this idea about putting God's word into practice. That we must practice Christianity. That we can't just believe in Jesus. There's there's lots of people that believe in Jesus. In fact, even demons believe in Jesus. That's not enough. You have to do more than just believe in Him, you have to follow Him. You have to believe and want to be like Jesus. The values, the truths, the things that He taught. How, How many people believe? These are are just good things. That's what many people think. These are just good things. But then there has to be a time in your life where you take it from a good thing to a God thing, that these things have wisdom for our lives, that they change the trajectory of our lives, That, that they don't make our lives worse. When we live like Jesus, they actually make our lives better. So we have to listen to his words, and then we have to heed them. We have to follow them. We have to practice them and live them out in our everyday life. You know, what's interesting about Jesus is that while he was theological, Jesus was incredibly practical too. I mean, a lot of the things that he taught and and made sure to mention were very practical. Things that people were dealing with in their everyday life. He was in so many ways a practitioner. And his biggest issue with the disciples was often in their everyday lives and the practical things. Where is your faith right now? Can you pray with me a little bit longer? Stop arguing about who's the greatest. Start learning to serve. And I just think that Christians sometimes miss this, that somebody called my office the other day and, and they wanted to know if I was a Calvinist. And I thought, If that's what you're worried about, you're going to hate this church. Um, I learned about all those things in school, and it's not that they're bad things. I I think they're good things. It's just I think God cares way less about your views on unconditional election and cares way more about the way that you love your neighbor, everybody. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not saying doctrine's not important. We're teaching it every first Wednesday right now. I, I just think that the way that you put your faith into practice matters to Jesus a whole lot more. And so, if 40% of what you do in your life is the result of a habit, then developing habits in, in practice, in your life, in your faith life will will really have a big impact on your faith. You know, it's like knowledge is important, but knowledge actually doesn't create habits. How many people know that to be true? You can know something, but unless you actually do something with what you know, it really doesn't matter. And so that's what we're talking about over these next several weeks. I wanna talk about the various parts of our faith that we must put into practice in our lives Every day, our, our habits, and I had this entire message lined up today where I was going to talk about original intent, up until uh, I listened on an airplane this past week, uh, flying home, a message that Pastor Dan did. And by the way, didn't do, didn't Pastor Dan do an incredible job last week? Didn't he inspire you, help you? And as he started talking about the church, such an amazing message. We're so blessed. But I actually have a mess, I had a message in this series that I was going to do about God's great church. And so I thought, well, let's just let's do the old switcheroo here. So the message that I was going to do this week, I'm actually just going to save it and do it next week. But I want to kind of preach a second part to the message that he did last week. Except I won't make you cry and I definitely won't sing. So <laughs> I'm already losing here a little bit, you know what I mean? Today I want to talk about being planted in God's great church. And if you want your life to flourish and grow and have a lasting legacy, I'm here to tell you today that being planted is a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. Being planted in church and allowing the church to be a major part of your life is essential to your life. It is, in my opinion, the most important decision that a believer can make when you decide to be a Christian. I want to read a verse from Psalms that is an anthem verse for our church. In fact, we have this printed on the wall in our student auditorium. It says this in Psalm 92. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and stay green. I want to say this from the outset today. I want you to be rooted in a church. It is so important. Roots that go deep, roots that really last Roots that, if you left, it would feel like dirt coming up out of the ground, like like you would feel it. The other day, Kendra pulled a few bushes from one of the flower beds that died in the heat of 2023 summer. And she hasn't filled those bushes yet in the front yard. We've been waiting to get some more. And these bushes were so ingrained that the soil, in the soil, that when those bushes are now out, you can actually see the imprint in the soil of where they were still right now. Some of you were a part of a church for many years and when you left, it was very painful. Can I tell you, it should be in a lot of ways painful because that's what it means to be rooted. When you take up roots that are deep and and you try to pull those roots up, it's disrupting. In fact, it's disrupting in any part of your life. It's disrupting in your work life when you're planted somewhere for a long time. It's disrupting when you pull roots from your family life, from your friendships. And so let me just say this. If you actually were to leave a church and it just didn't really matter, and it's just not a big deal, then, then you might have liked the church at one point, but you probably weren't rooted in the church. I want you rooted in a church. And by the way, let me just say this from the outset today. It doesn't have to be this church. I hope that it is. I want it to be, but come on, this is Dallas, everybody. (laughs) You know, some some cities, there are no churches like this one. So if you were to leave, I'd say, you know, you're going to have a hard time. If you left, you'd be looking for a while. (laughs) But it's not like if you were to leave here today, you wouldn't find good churches. I say this all the time, but there are probably 20 churches in this city that I could go to. I, I could support their pastor. I could support the vision of the church, Dallas has some amazing pastors, has some amazing Bible teachers, some fantastic spiritual communities. Now, I'm partial to this one. I think the people here are amazing. And contrary to what someone might've told you, the pastor is not what makes a church great. The people are what makes a church great. Amen. Pastor Dan mentioned last week that there are no perfect churches. And that's true because there are no perfect people. Anywhere there are people, there are problems. There is imperfection. There is struggle. There is conflict. If you've come here recently and thought to yourself, man, this is like the perfect church. Give us six months to screw that up for you. (laughs) Interestingly enough, there isn't a perfect marriage in this church. There's no perfect parents. There's no perfect people. We are blemished. I mean, as I was writing this message earlier this week, I was thinking about all the different people in this room today that have experienced hurt and pain and heartache and have gone through things that are very difficult. And what that means is that when we compile all of our pain and all the things that we've gone through, It means that we have to have tolerance and grace for the people in the church as they grow more like Christ. Now, if you think about it, back it up for just a second, there are no perfect marriages and yet marriage is still sacred to God. There are no perfect families, but family is still God's plan. You don't need a perfect spouse or a a perfect family to experience the great benefits of, of marriage and family. And it's the same way with the church, with all of its humanity and all of its failure. It is still God's chosen instrument to bring the will of of heaven to earth. And so I want to start with the Bible for just a couple of moments, and then I'm going to get into some very practical elements, but you got to see it first. And some of this will sound a little bit like review from what Pastor Dan talked about last week, but the very first thing that I want you to know today is that the church is God's idea. It's not a man-made organization. It's not a man-made institution. That's wrong. It's mentioned 114 times in the New Testament. Jesus himself was the founder of the church. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The second thing that you got to know, just some Bible about the church, is the church is God's plan for the expanding his kingdom on earth. The church is, I like to say it this way, the church is plan A, there is no plan B. Somebody look at your neighbor right now and say, tag, we're it. (laughs) Tag, we're it. What the church provides for people, nothing else can provide, Period. The church has provided it for over 2,000 years. You can't get what the church does at Walmart. You can't get it in a 12-step program. You can get warm fuzzies, but it cannot be replicated. The opportunity to live out faith with God's people, to learn about Jesus, to experience his presence, to worship, to pray, to learn together, to grow together. So the church is God's plan. Let let me show you the verse that Pastor Dan mentioned last week. Gosh, this this verse is so good, everybody. At the center of all this, this is Ephesians 1, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is God's chosen instrument by which he has decided to reach the entire world. It is his church that is the mechanism. And some people hear John three sixteen, and they, they hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And they think, well, that's the only thing that matters. And yes, that's the most important thing. But, but the son rules the church and uses the church. Notice the language here that's being used, that the church is Christ's body. The church is the vessel by which the blood of Christ flows through. So so you have to think about this for just a second, that, that Christ loves the world. He wants to reach the world, and because of that, he pumps every ounce of energy that he can into the engine of the church. Let me say it this way. A farmer who wants to harvest corn has a machine called a corn harvester. I know that because I Googled it. (laughs) It strips the stalks about a foot from the ground, and then it moves those stalks through the header to the intake conveyor belt. Now, the farmer can choose to ignore the corn harvester if he wants to. In fact, he could do it all by hand. But a farmer in today's world realizes that that is really dumb and a really poor use of time. And so he puts all his energy into the corn harvester because that's what gives him the harvest that he wants. You see, Jesus knew that reaching to the ends of the earth was impossible just for him to do in his physical form. That's why he said, I'm going away and it's actually better for me to go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and I'm going to focus all my energy into the super harvester known as the church. And the church is going to be the vehicle that I'm going to bring a harvest of souls from Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the world matters to God. The world matters so much to God, in fact, that he sent the church, but the world is peripheral to the church because it's through the church that the world will be reached. And so in our world, whenever, revive, or whenever revival happens, it's gonna happen through the church. Whenever he moves, it's gonna be through the church. So when you say, or some people say, or those of you maybe watching online right now, say, well, I don't, you know, I don't really need the church. Let me tell you, Jesus would have quite an issue with that statement the third thing I want you to know is that God's plan is that every believer would be an active member of God's church so what are where does it say something like that well in Ephesians 2 now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven but you are come on everybody say it out loud you are you're members of God's very own family citizen of God's country, and you belong in God's household. You belong, don't miss this, you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Pretty straightforward, huh? So if you're a Christian, God's plan is that you be planted in his house, growing and flourishing and thriving. The writer of the Psalms gives us great examples of what it means to love and champion The house of God. There's there's so many of these. I'll just give you three very fast. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 122 I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 23 Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long will I dwell in the house of the Lord? How long? So it's not just until somebody makes me mad. So, as we're kicking off our small groups and as we're kicking off this series, I just want to encourage you today to get in the game. Interestingly enough, it's football season. Mikey mentioned it. Where's all the Cowboy fans in the room at? Your hopes are high. Where's all my Vikings fans at? That's unfortunate. It's like living in a foreign land for me right now. You need to get in the game. How many people know it's one thing to be a spectator, but it's another thing to be a participator. When you're, when you aren't rooted, the truth is church is only about convenience. I need my seat, my parking place, and I hope there's not a bathroom line, and God helped Dusty to preach short, (laughs) but when you're rooted, you still want Dusty to preach short. (laughs) But the truth is everything matters. People you love miss church matters to you. Where where are you guys at? Today, as I drove up on the parking lot, I, I added it to my Instagram story, but one of our members of our church, Thomas DeAndrea. I, I drove up. He was already here at 8 o'clock this morning. He had a, had a blower in his hand and was just blowing the sidewalks off of lead. Why? Because for Thomas, he's in the game. Every Sunday matters. He was here early praying. Thomas, by the way, I thank you for your devotion to God's house. Amen, everybody. You serve because you're invested. I I serve in kids because I love kids. I want them to grow. I love people. I want them to feel at home. Ushers serve because they want to make sure that the service is orderly, that people have seats and they're as close as possible. Worship, they want to help lead people into the presence of God. And when people are moved by God's spirit, it moves your heart. Now you still like your convenience, but when people win, you win what it means to be rooted you love seeing God's great church grow take new ground reach people serve the community so let me just talk practically for this for just a second if you're going to get in the game how do you get in the game how do I get planted in God's great church I've just got three of these and I want to just quickly talk about these for a moment that number one I must become committed everybody say committed come on say it again I must become committed. The more committed that you are, the more results that you'll have. It's like that with anything in your life. About five weeks ago now, it's been the hardest journey for me, but committing to a healthier diet. God blessed me with the fast metabolism, but now I'm 40. And I was working out my body, but my body wasn't changing (laughs) Until I totally committed And I told my wife the other day As we were talking about this The truth is, is I've been doing this I feel it in every way I feel it emotionally and spiritually And physically and mentally I'm changing For some of you, today is the day That you actually put your faith into practice By committing Getting in the game Starts with you stepping onto the field And declaring, I'm settling in a few times a year, I, I give this challenge to people who are attending our church. Maybe they're new to our church to give us a year of your life. To give us a year of your life and go all in. What do I mean? I mean, do it all. I'm gonna be there as often as humanly possible. I'm gonna make it a priority. Church on Sunday is a priority, it's on the calendar. Every week, at this particular time of the week, I'm busy. Why are you busy? Because I'm at church. I can do something after church. I can hang out after church. I can watch football after church. I can go out in the boat after church. But on Sunday morning, I go to church. Next weekend, my daughter has a few friends staying over for her birthday party. She has a party on Saturday. It'll be a very busy day, but we told her, any friends who come over to the house on Saturday and are spending the night on Sunday, the stipulation is that they must come to church. Why? Because the deans go to church on Sundays. So get yourself into the habit of prioritizing your worship of your God before anything else in your life. Hebrews 10 says this, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I hope that you see this today as not a pastor standing on a stage just giving you an opinion. This is God's plan for your life, that you would be planted. Because let me tell you about, about what's about to happen in our culture right now. The weather is about to get nice. Kids are in school season, life's gonna happen. And let me just tell you up front, you will be tempted to deprioritize your commitment to worship. So you have to like, you have to plan ahead of time now. I'm going to get committed to growing my faith and deepening my commitment to God. And every chance that I have, I'm going to make an effort to be in God's house. Why? Because when I go there, I go to worship him and I go to grow. So I'm not just going to go on Mother's Day and Easter and Christmas or at the movies or during Seek Week. And by the way, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I know that there will be days and times that you miss. And shame off of you when those times do come. But for the most part, I'm going to make a priority to be in God's house. Not because I'm trying to get you heavenly gold stars. But this is why, because you're trying to put God's word into, you're trying to put it into practice. And my commitment to you is that Kendra and I and our leadership team will do everything possible to help you grow, to help you build God's great church and to help you fight for your families. So we have, here's just a little, a little strategy, a little goal for you. We have nine weeks until At The movie starts in November. My challenge to you today, as best you can, like what if you could do seven out of nine weeks? That was the challenge for you. For some of you, that's a lot. It's like, I've never done that before, okay? What if you, this time around, could try to put into practice that discipline in your life? Here's the second thing. So you must be committed. The second thing is you gotta get connected. I wanna show you a picture of a FedEx truck. This is a FedEx truck. I don't know... Where I was when someone first told me about it, I'd never seen it before in my life, the arrow. I'd never seen it. How many of you see the arrow? Like you already see it. How many of you already knew about the arrow? I'm curious. How many of you didn't know about the arrow? Anybody here not know about the arrow? Okay. Are you seeing the arrow? Do you see the arrow? It's there. If your neighbor is really slow and can't see the arrow. From now on, I went a long time in my life before I ever knew anything about the arrow. But now every time I see a FedEx truck, it is the very first thing that I see every time. Because I went from not seeing it to seeing it. Can I just tell you the church is the same way? For many people, they just don't see it. They just don't get it. It's just, it's just church. It's just church. You just go. And you just want me to attend. No, no, no. You, see, you don't see it yet. But once you see it, and you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. The arrow can change your life when it comes to the local church. All around you today are people whose lives have been changed. Why? Because they got planted in church. There's this group of, of sweet ladies in the 1130 service. They will shout me down when I do this in the 1130. They sit, they sit right here on the first row. Many times they will finish my sentences and every now and then, they'll think they have the sentence, but will say it wrong as I'm saying it. And I love them. They're, they're a crazy, awesome bunch, but they found each other in church. They have stories. Not all their stories are similar, but they didn't know how much they needed each other until they found each other. And now they're friends for life. They'll, they'll, they'll be friends forever planted in the house of God. And they strengthen each other. When one of them misses church, you better believe the other people know why they're missing church. They pray together. They love each other. They came to church without each other, even alone, but now they're not alone anymore. It's funny, I'll stop by Chipotle on a Sunday afternoon, after service, and they'll all be in there, (laughs) partying away. So making it to church is a big step, but getting connected is the fun part. Getting connected in church is where the power happens. Great things happen whenever you take the courage to get connected, but you have to take that step. And and if I'm honest with you, some people can't commit, but most people really don't wanna put the work in to connect. Because not only does connection take intentionality, But it takes repetition where you don't see immediately the results of trying to connect. This week, as Chase said so eloquently, we're going to start our small group semester. Chase, our group's director, told you about the groups online. Here's the thing. Many of you have this expectation that if I do go to a group, then I better find some friends fast and it better not be weird at all. And if it is weird or I don't find friends fast, I'm not going back. It's just it. I'm not going back. And so for a lot of people, they'll attend a group once or maybe two times or maybe three times, and, but they don't see the results. And it's, and it's crazy if you think about it, because how many of us, it's like working out three days in or looking into the mirror and expecting a different, well, that's a lot of us, okay? Uh, me included. But, but the truth is, it just won't happen. And that's why we encourage you, you know, do it all, because here's what'll happen. You'll meet somebody while you're serving, and, and then you'll go to a group. And, and, and it won't be like all the people in the group, but you'll really connect with like maybe one couple or maybe like two couples. Or, and then you'll come and you'll hang out at men's night. And you're like, man, I met this guy at men's night, or and then another Sunday, you'll meet a couple of, a, a couple of couples, and, and, and then all of a sudden, you've been there for six or eight weeks in church, and then somebody says, Hey, y'all want to go to lunch? and you're like, Wow, we actually went to lunch with somebody, or, or you'll go to dinner with a couple, you're like, they, They're nice, you know. Or, then you'll go to somebody, another couple invite you to dinner, and, and you're like, well, We won't go back to dinner with them again, you know. <laughs> it's like speed dating, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it has to happen before you find your people. And this is really important for you to understand about the church, that not every friend in church will be a close friend, but then you will click and you'll find your friends and close friends will slowly start to develop. And I I just want to encourage you today, get connected and make the effort this week and let God open doors for your life. Come on and clap your hands if you're with me in this today. No, this is so important even some of you who've been in church a long time and think that you, well, I've, I've got my friends. No, no, you don't know the new people that can come into your life, that can impact your life and change your life. Here's the last one, okay? The last one is this, I must get invested. Now, this, this last one is where you really come to the fork in the road, because I'm just going to tell you the first two are easier. Going to church, it's like, well, I'm going to have to reschedule some things and you know, it's going to be painful a little bit, but, but I can do that one. It's about my time. Connection, also a little bit uncomfortable, but still really at the end of the day, it's, it's about my time. I have to make time for it and try it. But investment is not just time, everybody. You contribute your time on this level, but now you're adding a contribution of your talents and your treasure. So your time and now your talent and your treasure. To, in, to get invested means, I'm not just gonna take. Now I'm gonna give, now I'm gonna serve, now I'm gonna actually give financially. And, and for some of you when we talk about being planted, this is a huge obstacle in your life. First, first question people always have on the topic of tithing or, or giving to the church. It's like, well, well, Dusty isn't tithing an Old Testament law? And the answer to that question is, of course it is. And it was a law and you do not have to do it because you are no longer under a law. You're under grace. You can absolutely ignore the law if you want to ignore it. But I want you to notice what Jesus said in scripture because this is so important. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've not come to abolish them, I've come to fulfill them. In other words, don't give because it's a law, give because of God's goodness in your life. This is not a knock, but I've, I've been in churches where every week, every week there was an offering message. Every week, right before the offering got taken. It's like five, seven minutes preaching on offering. And I'm just, if I'm just honest with you, i never understood it, never. We didn't have a Bible reading message every single week. We, we, didn't, we didn't have a serving message every single week, only an offering message. And what, as a young man, what I concluded was that the church was attempting every week to inspire or to push people to give. And let me just step back from that and say, I get it. You know, they needed people to support the church. But if the only reason you give is because of pressure, listen to me, that is wrong. I don't want you to give because of pressure. I want you to give because of the great joy that you get of being a part of God's great family. I want you to give even more importantly because it's an act of worship. That's what the New Testament church was about. They gave because they saw the needs all around them and they believed in the power of God's great church. And when Kendra and I give each month, and let me tell you, it's not always easy. Some months is harder than others. But the reason we give is because of how much God has blessed us. And we give because it's an act of worship. Let me just say this. That's the only thing I hate about online giving. Because if you're not careful, it starts to feel like a bill, you know, instead of worship. Now, we don't pass buckets in church on Sundays, but if we ever did again, the reason that we would do it is because I want you to see it as an act of worship. Somewhere along the way, it started to feel like pressure to people. It was never meant to be pressure. Now, you have to be intentional with it, just like you're intentional on Sundays. You have to be intentional about giving. But the Bible actually teaches against giving under compulsion. So get a plan. Make it worship and give. You must find a church to get invested in. You must. You must find a church that you can worship in, that you can serve in, that you can invest in, and that you can connect in. You must find a church that you can financially support. The Bible says that your finances are a key to your heart. Well, I don't don't trust this church. I don't trust you. Well, then find a church that you do trust. And support it. Find that church. Make it your church. Find that church where you'll get in the game. Find that church where you you won't count yourself out of what God has invited you into. Find that church. Find that church. Find that church. Because the hope at the end of the day is that you would find a group like my friends Mitch and Mitchell have. Once a week in the mornings, these guys have gathered. How long y'all been doing that now, Mitchell? Two or three years, somewhere around there. Gathering early in the morning for coffee, conversation. As they talk about life, they share their wins. They talk about God's word, they challenge each other. I was thinking about this, guys, that as the years have gone on, I've thought about the different challenges that you guys have faced in different seasons of your life the heartache at some moments, and the difficulty and the frustration. But you faced it differently. Why? Because you've not done it alone. Because they're planted. And when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish like a palm tree. You'll grow like the cedar of Lebanon. You will flourish in the courts of our God. So be committed. Come on. Get connected. Come on, get invested, be committed, get connected, get invested, be committed, get connected, get invested. Come on and clap your hands all over the room today. Make it the priority of your life right now, everybody. I hope you're hearing the passion, the practicality of what I'm trying to challenge you to do today. I want, to, I want to close. In fact, I want you to stand with me all over the room today. And I want to say this to every person that's standing here today, and this is honestly one of the most important moments in our service right now. So please don't miss this. Before you can go all in with God's great church, you have to go all in with your great God. And I just want to ask every single person here a question today. Have you asked God to be the Lord of your life? Have you asked him to sit on the throne of your heart? Do you know right now where you would spend eternity? If you're not sure, or if you've never done that, or... If you did it a long time ago, but you feel like you've drifted, I want to pray for you today. We want to help you. I'm telling you, we are so passionate about this, about helping you find a new beginning in your life and with God. And today, you know that you need to give your life to Christ. If I'm, gonna, if I'm describing you, I'm going to ask you today to take a step of faith. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment and to raise it high. And we're going to pray together. By the way, let me just say this to you today. The enemy will tell you to do it later and wait. Can I just say this to you today? Don't wait. This is such a monumental step in your life. Jesus actually said this. He said, if you won't be ashamed of me before people, I won't be ashamed of you before the Father in heaven. And if today you're just in your mind, you're saying, man, I want a fresh start. I want to seize the moment. I want to be bold right now. I want to take a step of faith. I want to take a new beginning. I want to go all in with God starting today. I'm not going to let fear hold me back. I need a new beginning. I want you right now. If that's you, On the count of three, just boldly just raise your hand today and say, that's me. Come on, if that's you, one, two, three, lift it high. Come on, all over the room right now. Come on, celebrate with these people that are saying, yes, that's me. I want to be bold in my faith. Come on, don't go home with with without peace in your heart today. We're celebrating you that are saying, yes. All right, those of you lifted your hand all over the room, I just want you to pray with me. In fact, let's just pray together all over the room. Right now, this is a significant moment in your life, a new beginning moment, like you're gonna get planted in the house of the Lord today. It's gonna happen in your life if you get planted with God. Many hands all over this room today. Let's, let's pray this all together, church. I want you to say this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Forgive me of my sin come into my heart, come into my life. I choose you today to be the leader of my life and the Lord of my life. And I boldly declare that I am a child of God, starting right now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say amen. 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 Come on and clap your hands all over the room today. We've got some instruction for you, but let's worship for a moment and then Mikey's gonna close the service together. Come on team, let's just take a second and worship as we close out today.
1: On, let's give it up for them today, Heartland Church. Now, listen, it, if you were one of those people that raised your hands and committed your life to Christ today, come on, church, can we celebrate with them? That's amazing. It's the greatest decision you'll make in your life. And listen, this is not the finish line. This is the starting point, all right? And so if that was you and you did raise your hand to receive Jesus today, we wanna know about it and we wanna put resources in your hand to help you take your next step, all right? And so the way that we do that, please join us at our next steps table in the lobby. Just say, hey, I committed my life to Jesus for the first time today. Our team will take care of you, all right, everybody? Well, hey, Pastor Dusty said it earlier, but we don't pass buckets during the giving portion of our service. We have three ways to give or four ways to give. You can give online in the boxes as you leave or you can text to give. And uh, we just say thank you for remembering your church. We have an incredible, incredible season uh, semester coming up this coming up semester of, uh, of groups, everybody. Are you excited for the fall semester of groups? Come on, it's gonna be amazing. And the last thing that I'll say to you before we dismiss today is, hey, if you're feeling like, hey, I don't really know that many people at church, I'm feeling a little lonely, well, hey, it's on you today, everybody. Like, scan that QR code, go talk talk to our team over by our group's board, and we'd love to meet you, all right? Well, hey, let's pray together, and we'll, then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we love you thank you for a wonderful day in church today, God. I thank you for all of the wonderful people in this room. I pray that you give us a a great rest of our day and that the Cowboys would beat the mess out of the Giants. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen and amen. We love y'all. You can be dismissed.